0: hello and welcome to today's show it's the 15th of april and we have some great topics to talk about today i want to say a massive thank you to all the new subscribers that we've had recently and if you're enjoying the content and you actually haven't hit that subscribe button yet make sure you hit that red button Um, we also have a a patreon page and we have three fantastic patrons on there who help fund us so if you're willing to help fund us as well you can also visit our patreon page it will be in the description below on today's show we have two amazing guests we have william dodds and jack Pickering joining me for the ride morning boys how's it going morning oh it's good to see it's good to see you again another day another show you know we're sort of you know we're churning these out but actually they're they're a bit easier than we thought they would be like we thought we'd be running out of topics to say at some point but to be honest with you it's actually it's actually been OK. So the main topic that I want to talk to you about today, boys, is the rookie drivers, because obviously we've got the likes of James Collado. We've got the likes of Neil Yarney, Brendan Hartley, obviously Nick DeFries. We've got quite a few rookies this season, but. Some of them haven't been performing as well as their established teammates. You know, you maybe you could point at Collado, for example, and Mitch Evans. Mitch Evans is doing great, but Collado is struggling to be there. Andre Lotterer and Neil Yarny. like Lotterer's there, Neil Yarni isn't. Brendan Hartley and obviously Nico Müller, both rookies. Obviously, Nico Müller has had some experience before in Formula E testing with Audi, so maybe Brendan Hartley's not doing as bad of a job as maybe one may may say. But what my question is is do we think will that you know these rookie drivers if they aren't performing against their established teammate do you think they'll get that season like they used to like as i said i made the reference before it's like an nfl rookie quarterback like they get that season to learn and then they're then they're judged or do you think they're being judged straight away and if they can't hack it like a like a pascal Verlin and oliver roland did in in season 5 then they'll be kicked out
1: I th- I think the it, it, it depends on, on the differing situations, because in the case of, of Muller and Hartley, they're in a very difficult situation to judge them. So they're in a car that we know isn't a front-runner anyway, from last season, when they had um, Gunther. I mean, Gunther did a good job, but it wasn't a front-running car. Um, so it's very difficult to judge them. Neither of them are established Formula E drivers, um, and we don't know the pace of their vehicle. So you know they could be pretty much performing as well as they possibly could at the moment. Um, it's difficult to judge. We know for a fact that they're both decent drivers on their day, and they've proven in other series that they're good. So those two, I find it really difficult to judge. Um, as with Collado, um, obviously yanni has got a tiny bit of experience, but he's pretty pretty much a rookie. Um, I think it it is tough for them. They, they've been really shown up by their teammates. And I think that, as you mentioned, with Verline. And, and Roland taking to the series so quickly, and then De Vries again this season, I think rookies will come under more pressure now, perhaps, than in the past. Now that the series is is more popular, it's probably more attractive to drivers. I can see, you know, you look at, at the kind of ranks in, in F2, we we had a discussion about kind of drivers we want to see in Formula E. If it is becoming more attractive, then I can't see why teams would be... I think teams will be more keen to take a risk on, a, on another rookie now than perhaps giving the drivers as much time as they're perhaps used to.
0: Yeah, Jack, I wonder if you feel that... Um any sympathy towards these rookie drivers, because obviously Formula E, if you've never driven it before, it's, and every driver says this, it is a challenging series to get to grips with. There's so many different new elements that you've got to learn and, and need to get to speed up very quickly because there are now so many experienced drivers. So if you are pitted against an experienced driver, you know, it's, it's ch- it is a challenge to, to get up to speed quite quickly.
2: Yeah, we saw that for Andre Lotterer in season four when he joined Cheetah, He took, um, he had an awful weekend in Hong Kong, went to Marrakesh, didn't do much either. And then, uh, however, when he got to Santiago, he had probably got on the pace and then he started to do uh, extremely well in the series. And he is now probably the best driver yet to win a race in Formula E. Uh, it, it it does take time, and we have seen that with quite a few drivers over the last five five or so years. However, there are however there are some drivers that I have a little less sympathy for. I'd say I I I I, I, I do have a lot of sympathy for for all the drivers. However, uh, and I will narrow it down to one name, which for me at the moment is Neil Jani. He tested the Porsche. For almost one and a half years, he was, he, and because uh, Lotterer was over at cheetah, it was Neil Yarni just testing the Porsche week in, week out. And then we've got the races, and he hasn't done as well as we all really expected from a from a Le Mans winner. And so, yeah, he is he is one driver that I feel that has been a little bit under. Um, like underperforming however it is quite hard to perform against it James Collado uh despite um uh despite being one of the champion Alex teammates um he he still put in some good showing he's been in the top 10 in qualifying I think it, he was in top 10 in Marrakesh um and and he has scored points on um uh, on a few occasions one uh, once in diria and i think in santiago as well um but yeah for um for the dragon guys of hartley and muller it is it is a lot difficult because um because they don't have the same machinery uh, as the others however muller's put it muller put it in the top 10 in mexico so He's he he's he's shown some good performances, but the thing is he binned it in turn one on the lap three or something. So yeah, it was it was disappointing. And however, there are quite a few drivers who if 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 they get to the end of the season and they are still struggling, then may then maybe we might not see them back in season six.
0: Yeah, I think you make a great point in terms of Andre Lodera. And I think you could argue that Drivers like James Collado, if you give them that extra season, for example, they'll be able to then get get on the pace, basically. You know, Mitch Evans, for example, I know even in his first season in Formula E, uh, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't setting the world alight in that Jaguar. Obviously that Jaguar wasn't the quickest car in the world back then. But he wasn't, you know, he that Jaguar was probably where that Jaguar was supposed to be. But as he's got that experience in Formula E he's really taken to it. Um and I think Andre Lotera is exactly the same. Disqualified. Anything could go wrong in that Hong Kong race. You know, he couldn't have had a worse debut if you put debuts into into if you were to rank debuts, you'd put his as the number one worst debut that you could possibly have with Andre Lotterer. But he's now become a driver. Yet, yes, not to win a race, but at the same time, you know, he's been he's been brilliant, and he's beca- he was a solid second driver. It's just horrible to maybe put him, but like it's a backup driver to Jonny Verne. That's what made Czechita so strong. Is because you know Verne would get points, and so would Lotterer, and that's sometimes what wouldn't happen in in Formula E. But Will, what I want to say is. Do you think teams now, as this series gets so more competitive, you know, you don't have the, you don't really want to drop points as much, and especially with these big manufacturers. say if you're, you're a Porsche, for example, you're a massive brand. If you've only got one driver scoring points, and that means you finish behind BMW, Audi, in the in the teams championships, you're not going to be very happy. So you know, do you see now that? there is more pressure on these rookies coming into the series, despite this being so much to learn and, and teams, the championship getting so much competitive that they can't wait for you to get to grips with it anymore.
1: Yeah, it's, I think the competitiveness is making it much harder for, for rookies. Um, and I think the ones that have come in and, and kind of like hit the ground running, I think that they have quite a lot of pedigree behind them for sure. Um, and perhaps you could even say some of the the younger drivers are the ones who are adapting quicker. Maybe um, I think with with Jani, one saving grace perhaps is that even with Lotterer, the, the car hasn't been great in the races. It looks really quick in qualifying. He's certainly struggling in qualifying, but you know, barring barring race one in Diria, even Lotterer has struggled in the races as well. And as we've just spoken here, he's very established and uh, you know a very good Formula E driver. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think that the, the added competitiveness, um, kind of the amount of different teams that are competing will mean that the rookies just get less time to prove themselves because, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of people who want a seat in these teams. Um, you know, we looked at the kind of the recent uh, rookie test in Marrakesh. You know, there's a huge list of names there of, of drivers who would, you know, really want to get a seat in Formula E. So, you know... I think that maybe because of the the truncated nature of this season, maybe they'll get a bit more time, and you know that could be a bit of a saving grace for them. But uh, yeah, it's competitive, and I think that you're going to get less and less time to prove yourself as as the series gets more competitive and more sought after.
0: I think now I say we've sort of like picked on Yanni as like a source, and I think the problem for Yanni as a as going in as being a part of Porsche is that there's such a wealth of Porsche drivers that would like to grab that seat so if you're in a team where you know you've got driver academies you've got other drivers which you can just pick and choose from it's going to be if you're not performing it's going to be easy to go well maybe we should try a nick tandy for example jack
2: yeah i yeah i think uh i think that because because there are so many manufacturers in uh, in formula e now and they've got and um, uh and they've got people in in other series that they can that and and might just just pick them out and be like have a go in the Formula E car, see see how it works and uh, and yeah one thing I'm not sure if we talked about it on air or not is we were discussing the other the other day maybe putting one of the 2015 24 hour of of Le Mans winners in that second seat at Porsche um, that that would be Nick Tandy, Earl Bamba, or nico hulkenberg um which we uh which would be quite which would be quite interesting to see to see how they adapt because we've seen we've seen in other series how if you if if you have more than one contracted it, uh it, it, it especially in formula one with with um with red bull because their whole thing behind putting Albon in the second seat at Red Bull is that they have four contracted drivers that they can that they can push around, push around willy nilly. So, um, so yeah, I'm not sure whether that that might be a feasible option. We saw it a couple of years ago with BMW with Tom Bronkhorst and um, and Alexander Sims. And so yeah, I I think I think it's more than a possibility.
0: I think now the the rookies of your Oliver Rollins, your Nick Defreese, your your Pascal Verlines, those drivers are making it much more difficult now for rookies who who struggle to get to grips with it because if if you know teams will see another team that's got a rookie driver and they're hitting the ground running, they're getting podiums, they're scoring points, they're competitive with their more established teammate. They're like, we want someone like that. And if you're not doing that, I reckon it's it, the sport's going to become very cutthroat very quickly and it's not going to be like the season one the season two era where okay yeah we know it's a difficult to get your head around we'll give you another season if you perform in that season then great if you don't then bye-bye so and you, you'll see what happens obviously some drivers who have been quick who have fallen to that you know robin frines for example i remember and andre losing losing out for a seat and um you know it happens sometimes but i think you know we've pretty much covered the rookies i think it's it's, it's going to become more cutthroat now this depending on on depending on how much more competitive this series gets onto but the next topic that we want to discuss is our top five liveries of formula Recard because obviously we've had some great liveries and obviously they they're trying to make these liveries as much interesting as possible i suppose with these gen 2 cars so we decided to just have a look through and we'll put some pictures up on the screens for obviously the viewers that probably aren't aware of from the season one liveries who have obviously who are new fans to Formula Re. but i'm going to start with my top five first and I, it's it's actually a very andretti based top five there's only i think uh two cars or uh, three cars actually that are not really linked to andretti if i've got that right so the first one i'm going back to season one um which actually isn't an andretti car but it's the amlin aguri car which is sort of a sponsor that then went to andretti later on so you will hear that name again um because they produced this stunning sort of chromish blue car um which just for season one we're looking at liveries and there was just this one car that came out the garage at Donington, and you were like wow that looks like a car that you just you want a massive poster on your wall, a massive picture on your wall. Um, it just looks stunning. It actually, you know, it was one of the cars that you instantly recognised on the screen, on the TV when you were watching the races. You know, it had Antonio Felix the Costa in it, had Catherine Leg as well that season. So, you know, they had fairly good drivers. So it was, you know, it, it was doing well and obviously it won a race. I um, in Buenos Aires that season. So with Antonio Felix da Costa. So that was my number five, my number four. Now it was a toss up because I like Audi liveries. I do like Audi liveries, um, but I was the season two livery. I had another look at it and I was like, it had a lot of yellow. But then I looked at the season three. And I was like, no, that's the one I like with the green, um the green sort of side pods of Schaeffler on it and all the writings about mobility, the yellow and the red. I really loved how that car sort of just, came together so that was my that was my number four my third one back to amlin andretti this time so another car from andretti um again they sort of went back to that sort of blue but white chromish look and i i really loved it i really loved robin franz's car because obviously with his yellow helmet i don't know it just sort of it went really well so for me the ms amlin andretti season three car was amazing my number two is the BMW Andretti. Now the BMW Andretti, when I saw it in season five, I was like, wow, I cannot wait for like a model car to be made of this. And actually have all the model cars that they made of Formula E at this precise moment, the BMW Andretti one hasn't actually been produced or is available to to buy yet, which I find amazing. Um because it's probably the best livery on the current grid, in my in my opinion. Um, it's just amazing. I love the purple, the blue, the sort of greyish black, and how it flows. It just, it just, it's just a stunner. It's just an absolute stunner. I absolutely love that livery. And then my favourite one, my favourite livery, goes to Dragon. Actually, now Dragon have actually had some decent liveries over the time. You know, I'm thinking season two with their their red sort of chromy. They went down the chrome route, but. Their season three livery, their proper type that they were sort of talking about with their Faraday future, and they did something a bit different. So the two cars weren't exactly the same. So I wasn't a big fan of Dambrosio, so it went from black to white in in a sort of uh, in a sort of sense. Um, so that was Dambrosio's car, but I really loved the opposite way round, which was like the car, which was white going into black. I, that car, I just thought, wow, it just looked stunning from every angle and yeah that that took my number one spot it was close and there's some that i've missed out which i'm sure boys you you'll pick up but for me those are my top 5 will do you want to explain uh what your top 5 were
1: yeah so um for me number 5 is uh, again another season 1 car so it's the uh season 1 mahindra um i think that this is just i like the mahindra livery in in general uh, i think it it looks great and there's a team that i i like but um I think it's it's got less blue on it. It's it's much more just kind of like a red, white and black car and I just think it looks really clean. Um, I really like the, the shape of the, the season one cars as well. I think that they just look a I don't they look a bit more modern in a way now looking looking back on them. And I just think it's a really clean, slick livery. Um it also, you know, um had Corinne Chandok in it and I, I quite I quite like Corinne Chandok as, as a driver and as a pundit. So um, yeah, that's, that's a car which, which I like and probably like the kind of first Formula E car I kind of remember really liking. Um, second for me is probably the current Porsche. So the first uh, Porsche, I mean, I remember looking at this when it came out for, for testing ahead of, ahead of season six and just like, this is just a, a really slick looking car. Um, it's just really nicely designed it just looks great uh, it's another kind of red black and white one um, it's it's. I think in a way in terms of design it's like probably one of the best but there's something about it which is a, it's a bit cold so it's probably why it's not higher on my list but it's just a really nice looking car um, as far as I'm concerned um, number three is uh, Tachita from season four obviously this is the car that uh, Jeff won his first title in it's it's got much more black on it than the current current design so it's more kind of like a black and gold mix and i just think it looks it looks really great um it's obviously kind of memories from from just jeff claiming his first title and uh as yeah, just a pretty formidable driver lineup they had with him him and lotter and it's just a, a really nice looking car um and then number 2 uh and number 1 like jack i've kind of gone for the the audi and the bmw but i've just gone for a slightly different year so I've gone for the season four Audi. Um, it's got a little bit less colour on it, a bit more white. But I just think it, it again just looks it looks a little bit less messy. And I think that that's probably something that I prefer. So that's my number two. And finally, my number one is the current BMW um, Andretti. It's just a really well designed, nice looking car. Um, and I guess it kind of you've seen the success of, of Gunter and Sims in it. It, it, it's it's a it's a nice looking car it's a good car it's a quick car and they're winning races in it so it's just yeah that's my number one
0: Perfect. Yeah, some, definitely some good chances. It's good. And there was some that I was like, especially the season four Andretti, which I thought was interesting because they very similar to some cars. Now they're changing the design. So APT, I really liked APTs over the grassies because apt had that little red stripe, whereas the grassies was green. So they just like personalized it to different drivers. And they, uh, the grassies had the gr- green wheel rims and apt had the red um, wheel rims. So I thought that was interesting. So, Jack, give me your top five.
2: Well, actually, I, I I have made a couple changes to uh to what I told you last night because um because I did want to nick a, one one of each of yours. So yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm I'm just gonna say a couple like kind of, kind of like honorable mention kind of things because because I I I always like the, the the uh, DS Virgin liveries. I always I always thought that they were pretty damn cool, and uh. And also I do think that this year's Venturi is the best Venturi that they've had in terms of livery wise. Um so yeah, uh, so yeah, I wanted to give like a couple honourable mentions to them. And uh and yeah, I do I I do really agree with with uh with quite a lot of your choices, but these are these are these are my number five uh, uh these are my top five. Um fifth place, um, the Tachita from uh, from season three. So their first um Tachita's first car. I did uh I, I did like the season four car, but I think I think I prefer the season three one just just a tiny bit more because um uh I just yeah, I I just preferred the, the, the kind of glossy gold instead of the in, in instead of the matte gold that um that they had on the season four car. Um my fourth place is the is the NextEv um, Team China racing car that they had from Long Beach onwards in season one. The, uh, the grey and fluorescent yellow car that, um, that Nelson Piquet won two races with. Because the thing is, Team China had not a great livery ahead of, uh, ahead of that race. And then they came, to, uh, they came to Long Beach, they changed up their livery it was magnificent, and then Nelson and PK won his first race that same day, and so yeah, I so so yeah, I was uh, I, I I was a big fan of that uh, of that livery, and then Nelson went on to win the title in Battersea that year. um My third place is also a championship-winning car. Uh, I've gone for the same as you, Jack. I've gone for the Audi Season Three car. I did really I, I did really like the look of this car and i do feel like this is audi's best looking car they they haven't really done that great with the new livery oh the uh the new liveries on the on the gen 2 cars but i just i i just it i just really like it It kind of gave that brazilian flavor uh, Yeah, the whole livery so yeah i was uh i was uh, i was a big fan of that um my second place is the bmw um andretti for season six um season five and season six they are pretty much identical between the bmws but i just i just gave it to season six more because i just i I just prefer this one just a tiny bit more and then my number one is the amblin andretti from season two Uh, uh it was it was just such a cool car i liked the um I like the kind of orange flares that came up over the um, uh, over the uh, wheel covers and uh, and, uh, and and also the, the Amlin sponsorship. I think um, Amlin just did wonders to any Formula E car that they were on. So, yeah, it was a toss-up between the three cars uh, that they sponsored, um, between Aguri and the two Andretti cars. But uh, I, I, I gave it to Season 2 because that's the car that I remember that I just loved so much when I saw it in Donington. Um for preseason testing season too.
0: I'll tell you what, there are some amazing livery choices that the I mean, the next Tev EV from Long Beach on was I was so like I was like that needs to make my list but I was like oh but there's so many other ones so I'm glad that you picked it because even for me like I was like oh that, that was a car. It's a shame again, like model car wise, like they haven't made that one. Um and that's just that's just the beauty in disguise that car actually. It's just simple. Sometimes the simple liveries are the best liveries so i want you to play a play at home obviously put in the comment section i'm sure everyone that's why we couldn't come up with a collective top five because we'd be arguing we'd still be arguing now because we tried that and it it just doesn't work so we went with our own top five ones because you know i want this there i want that it's just bickering we just become children so Play along at home, put in the comment section your top five um, livery cars. We'd love to hear yours um, and and respond to those. So moving on to the last little segment of the show, which was an interview, actually, that Alan McNish did with um, Autosport, and he claimed that he refused to join. Formula E as a driver once he sort of retired in 2013. Now obviously Alan McNish is now the team principal of um, Audi who joined back in season 4. Um but I was just thinking boys um would have been interesting to have McNish in the championship. Do you think he made the right decision not joining the series because obviously he would have probably have gone to Audi and because obviously he was an Audi driver and I don't see I know it was technically app sports line but I reckon Daniel Apt would have missed out um, from driving in that suit, in that seat to Alan McNish if he was to, to get that seat. Because even though it was technically App Sportsline at the time, it was still it was still Audi. So, Will, I'm going to start with you. Do you think McNish made the right decision in terms of refusing, and obviously then Daniel Apt and Lucas Degrassi, or would you have liked to have seen Alan McNish drive? And do you think that would have been a bit of a coup for Formula E having such an experienced driver take on this new championship?
1: Uh, it's an interesting one because, obviously, he was... Quite old at this point, kind of like forty-three years old, but he was still kind of being successful um, in the World Endurance Championship, and I definitely think that he he could have still kind of brought some brought some value and kind of star power to the series. Um, it's interesting because obviously Apt has never quite been able to to kind of live up to Degrassi's pace, and I th- I, th- I struggled to see how McNish would kind of be able to to compare with with Degrassi but I think it would have been a really interesting interesting competition so yeah I mean I think it's a shame that anyone would kind of turn down the opportunity to compete in Formula E I think we just want to see as many and as varied a a kind of background as driver as possible so yeah I'd have I'd have liked to have seen it um it would have been interesting and uh, to see him going up against Lucas Degrassi kind of at, at 43 years old would have been really cool.
0: And then, Jack, in terms of, you know, thinking about Daniel Apt, I know formulary is touted, especially in the early days of being this, um, being this show, basically, being this... Uh sport that just attracts old drivers, F1 retirees that come, and maybe McNish would have fallen into that category of people moaning, and then it would have blocked the young drivers of Daniel Abt who were making their name in the in motorsport at that time, in, in joining the series. So maybe, do you think uh, on the contrast, like it was probably a good thing that he maybe didn't join the series as a driver and allowed younger talent to break through?
2: I would have loved to seen McNish in a Formula E car. I think uh, I just to see how he would do against uh against the rest of the field however i can't i can't i can't see i couldn't see that happening at any point i thought uh i would have thought that daniel app would have been nailed on from day dot because uh because of it's because it, it's his dad's team um and yeah, Luca Lucas Degrassi, who had a few years with uh, with Audi in World Endurance and under his belt at this point, yeah, I would have thought that uh, I would have thought that this had uh, and and he'd done some testing with um, with Formula E beforehand, and so yeah, no, I can I couldn't see McNish in that seat, and the thing is, I couldn't really see where anywhere anywhere else where he could go, but. It w- it would have been interesting, but he would have probably had one season, then he would have been out. I think. Um, the uh, The thing is, in season one, we had we, uh, we we had quite a lot of experienced drivers. Anyways, I think for, uh, Frank Montagny started the season. Scott Speed was there. Um, oh, there were so there were so many drivers in that season. Yeah, you're, you're and naming all the Andretti. Gone from like, my when, head,
0: um, the realms of Andretti had like a million drivers in two seats. But um, but no, I think it would have been it would have been brilliant to obviously maybe have seen Mcnish. But I think you're right. Um, he probably wouldn't have lasted very long. And obviously Daniel has been there since since season one, and has built up and has become an Audi factory driver from that. He wasn't an Audi factory driver before. He now is. Um, and that was a big coup for him back in season four. And actually, that probably helped Stem his improve performance in season four because he was much better in season four than he was in the previous three seasons. You could argue, but then it sort of it slipped away slightly in season five and so far in season six. But boys, I think that's all we've got time for on today's show. I just want to say a massive thank you for both of you for being on.
1: Cheers, Jack.
2: Thank you.
0: And, well, i lost my words, but it's definitely time to end. So all I want to say is make sure that you hit the subscribe button if you are enjoying the show, and we will see you tomorrow for another round of amazing formulary content. You've been watching the FEZ show and we will see you tomorrow.